Hey, everydayer. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of your favorite Locked On podcast. This is a bonus episode of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, featuring can't-miss insight on the NBA draft that you can't get anywhere else. If you enjoy it, head over to the Locked On NBA, Locked On NBA Big Board, or Locked On College Basketball Podcasts to get the entire six-episode special. But for now, enjoy your favorite team's first selection of the 2023 Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On's 2023 NBA Mock Draft Special, the most comprehensive mock draft with local and national experts providing insight and analysis you can't get anywhere else. Don't miss a single pick as we discuss where the future stars of the NBA will call home. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into episode three of the 2023 Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, the most comprehensive mock draft you will find, and it is even bigger this year. The six-episode series will take you through the entire first round of the NBA draft with unparalleled insight from all of the drafting teams, thanks to the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the special, you'll hear from our local NBA shows, dozens of our college shows that cover your favorite teams every Monday through Friday, our NBA draft experts. Experts from the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. And this year, this year only, you'll get trade insight from our Locked On NBA insider, Howard Beck. So excited to have his insight a part of this special as well. And I'm happy to be here hosting this year, Kylan Mills. I'm a basketball host and analyst. I'm not going to get into all the different jobs I have because I was mocked on this mock draft podcast in the last couple episodes by these two. Um, and by the way, these two, my co hosts here on the show, are NBA draft analysts and hosts of the Locked On NBA. NBA Big Board Podcast, Raphael Barlow, and college basketball expert and co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, Isaac Shade. See, you guys have pretty long titles, too, okay? You know what? I'm not even going to get into mine, <laughs> but, you know, here we have it. So, in episode three of our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, we're going to find out picks 11 through 15. In episode two, in case you missed it, Grady Dick, Jarris Walker, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, and Anthony Black went off the board in that order at six through ten. Now, if you want to hear more about those picks and all of the picks from one through 10 head over to episodes one and two for all of the details. Now the Orlando magic are supposed to be up at 11, making their second first round pick, but wait, sound the alarm. We've got a siren or something, right? All right. We're going to have a siren. So while we were away, the magic have traded away the 11th pick and Chuma Okiki and Bulbul to the New York Knicks in exchange for Isaiah Hartenstein and a 2024 second round pick. Raphael, what are your thoughts on that trade? Wait, 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 wait. Can you repeat that one more time? I got to make sure. <laughs> it doesn't matter, Raphael. Here's the thing. <laughs> they kept their sixth pick and took Grady Dick, and now they're trading this away? What are we doing? Come on. Adam, that's why I asked her. I got to hear that one more time oh. just to make sure I heard it correctly. What, what was the yep. trade again? Yep, the Magic, after taking Grady Dick and keeping their sixth pick, have traded away the 11th pick, Chuma Okiki, and Bulbul to the New York Knicks. Thoughts? I'm speechless. I don't get it. <laughs> so the Knicks got this 11th pick and Bobo yes. and Okiki and Okiki and Orlando got a second round pick next and year. Yep. And Hartenstein and Hartenstein. Oh man, they gave away the pick for a bag of Skittles and a Sprite. <laughs> 
Hey, you just disparaged the good name of Skittles and Sprite, Mr. <laughs> Raphael Barlow. Right. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you trying to say about Skittles here? Okay. No, I well, like Skittles, but I mean. Uh, okay. All right. But there you go. There, Skittles are an NBA player. Fair enough. So the Orlando Magic making some moves that are a little bit interesting. It's fair to say our war room is quite confused by what Philip Rossman Reich is up to. Let's see what they have to say. <laughs> yeah, we're not the only one. You just trade the 11th pick for Isaiah Harkenstein? In two seconds? What? What are you doing? I'm setting up my playoff team. I'm setting up my free agency. I'm setting up my playoff. I'm setting up a playoff team. I'm setting up free agency. Alex is in here. David's about to fire you. (laughs) Who let this man uh, cook? Alex got (laughs) Okiki. I don't need need rookies anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Man, cook. I almost had him on uh, Royce O'Neal trade. That was the package. I was close. I was close on that one. To be fair, Hart, Why do you really want good. Isaiah Harkenstein? And what's he need a backup center. Backup, we need a backup you center. You traded the 11th center. pick of the NBA draft for a backup center? Wait, wait, wait. Who, 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 also, who? he also traded two second players. round picks. Yeah. <laughs> Probably and, one of the best and, backup and centers. And you got in Okiki and Bull. Yeah, boy. Two guys we're is, not using. Is he's, Bull he's, and Hartenstein like even that much of an upgrade? <laughs> Oh, it definitely yes. is. Come Hartenstein on. is really good. The Magic's, like, uh, Magic's backup center last year was Mo Wagner, who has the, was the worst defensive center at the rim in the entire league, and Gogo Patate, who's, who's good, but probably not a full backup center. We got a plan for Wendell Carter missing 15 to 20 games every year. That's, that's just how his career has gone to this point. So I need a backup center that's going to be able to spot start me 20 games and be a defensive rim protector when I'm eventually in the playoffs. On top of this, I freed up two roster spots now so I can go out into free agency and get more shooting, get what get that backup power forward that I probably that I probably need to cover for Jonathan Isaac. This this just clears the roster up a little bit for me. You better it, hope you leak this trade to Zach Lowe before you do it and sell yourself, or it's you're gonna get killed by the media. Oh, I'm sure I'll get killed. I'm I'm willing to get killed. I'm banking on free agency to fill the rest of my team because as Paolo Bancaro said, it's playoffs are bust. We want we want to be a playoff team, and we need some veterans. We don't need any more young guys. We're the third young. We were the third youngest team in the league last year. We're ready to grow up a little bit. So let's add let's add some veteran players and sh- and and move on from some of the young guys that aren't doing it. Like Bull Bull ain't doing it. Shuma Okk Hardenstein's gonna grow you up. I think he's kind of sold me. I, th- I think I think I'm in. <laughs> Dude, Hardenstein's <laughs> great. Not good. Yeah. There's <laughs> logic behind it. It may not be good, but there's logic behind it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. There's logic behind it. It may not be good. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, you know, maybe you trade six and eleven and one of your good players for Scoop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they got well, and the I mean, Philip loved love to the guy, but he said, "I don't need young players. I don't need rookies." Then why did you get Grady Dick? Right? Like it just. <sighs> yeah. Money. Yeah. But he was prepared right, for well, the backlash, so I let him have it. I, I yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think he knew what was coming. But let's see what Locked on NBA, NBA insider Howard Beck had to say about this whole madness going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to say, I'm a little bit concerned about whether or not the Knicks front office and the coach are still talking to each other. Because if there's one thing we've learned over the last few years, it's that... Tom Thibodeau would prefer veterans who are ready to play now, and he wants to win right now. I don't know what the 11th pick in the draft is doing for him that is going to be better than what Isaiah Hartenstein has done for the Knicks over the past season. Isaiah Hartenstein, a a key reserve for them. At times, they feel in starter for them. And you've got a starting center in Mitchell Robinson who's constantly getting hurt and or in foul trouble. And this is a team that only a year ago 
kept trading away their first round picks, dra- traded out of uh, 11th and then got the 13th and then traded out of that too, just to dump salary. I don't think the Knicks have been in a mode where uh, it's about developing youth as much as it's about trying to win right now. Not clear on uh, whether or not Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau are actually still talking to each other. That's my greatest concern there. On the Magic side of it, listen, this is a team that clearly is ready to pivot toward winning now that you've got some great foundational players in Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, some nice uh, young players that are coming together. And Hardenstein, you know, he's, he's you know, mid-career, uh, not, you know, not too old for this group. He's, he's young enough, I think, to still be growing with this group. They do need, I think, some support up front uh, behind Wendell Carter Jr. So a nice pickup for the Magic, a questionable move, I think, by the Knicks. Okay, he flipped the script. Wow. Interesting. Locked You're smirking, NBA. Raphael. We know drama. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for the drama. More drama to come as the Knicks now have the 11th pick. Now, the Knicks could go two directions to me um, in terms of this draft pick. They struggled from three last season. Stars Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, ooh, not great. Knicks were 24th in the NBA at 34% from three-point land. They also don't have a dominant big, so I could see them going that direction. Uh, Isaac, I'll start with you. Who do you think is the best available fit for the Knicks and also, you know, talent wise. Here's what's funny. If the Magic hadn't taken Grady Dick at six, he'd be sitting here at 11 and they could get that shooter to make up for that. Instead, if I'm the Knicks and I need that shooting, let's go get Jordan Hawkins from UConn. Okay, interesting. Are you on the same page about that, Rafael? Yeah, I'm just trying to think, like, are there any left-handed players available? And are they represented by CAA? If they're left-handed and they're represented by CAA, then... I got half of that. That's it. (laughs) They're probably going to mix. (laughs) But no, Jordan Hawkins makes makes the most sense there for me. Or maybe Derek Lively. Okay. Well, you guys are both high on Hawkins. We talked about him a little bit in episode two, but our pick is already in. Let's go to Locked On Knicks host Alex Wolf for the number 11 selection in our mock draft. With the 11th pick in the 2023 Locked On NBA mock draft, the New York Knicks like Jordan Hawkins, sophomore out of UConn. And yeah, you thought the Knicks were out of this draft, but acquire pick 11, Chumo Kiki and Bol Bol for Isaiah Hartenstein and two future second round picks. And as much as losing Hartenstein is definitely a blow to the Knicks. He's a big part of what made them so good this past season and especially leading into the playoffs. Getting Hawkins definitely was a priority for us. He's exactly the Knicks type of player, multi-year college player who got better uh, in his second year and showed a ton of improvement, especially from three, shot a huge volume of threes with that 39% three-point number that he managed to put up also shot 89% from the free throw line, which is valuable for the Knicks going forward. He'd probably have to fight for his minutes on the team. Uh, You know, they're not a easy nut to crack for rookies, the Knicks rotation, but I think the shooting and the pedigree would eventually get him there and he would find himself a role by the end of his rookie year. So we're very happy to bring on Jordan Hawkins to the New York Knicks. Okay, there we have it. Like I said, you guys were both high on Jordan Hawkins. Why? What stands out to you, Isaac, about him in more detail specifically? For sure. Well, first off, this is the first uh, non-freshman college player off the board. Hawkins is a sophomore coming off the national champions. Yes, who, by the way, UConn, uh, we found out at the draft deadline a while ago that they lost some some guys, so they're going to be in a hard way next year. Yeah, I mean, Alex said it there. Not only was my man making 
39% from three last year, but he was doing it on 7.6 attempts per game. As we talked about last time, he can do it in all sorts of ways. He's not one of these guys that's just like, all right, I'm going to hang out out here on the three-point line, get it to me when you can. I mean, it's spot up, dribble, handoff, off screens, on the move, whatever it is, Jordan Hawkins is going to hit it. Uh, legit for me, I think if his playmaking and ball handling was a little more advanced, he would have been a top 10 player. I mean, still obviously lottery level capable. Um, and I think his defense should be a plus for him as well. So you can, you know, you can give him the three and D moniker if you would like to do so. But um, ultimately it is that shooting that is just high level. And for me at a higher athletic capability level than Grady Dick. And that's my question for you, Raphael, is that we haven't talked a ton defensively about Jordan Hawkins. I know there's a lot of talk in terms of the Knicks need three-point shooting. He's at 39% three-point shooter. How do you see his defensive skill set fitting in the NBA? Well, if you play for Tibbs, you got to play defense. Right, and that's the thing, exactly. Tom Thibodeau got to play defense. So how is that going to work out? Well, I think he has the physical tools. I mean, he's athletic and he can move his feet. So I think... For him being good defensively, it's just all about putting in the effort. And Tibbs is a guy that has been known for getting max effort out of his players. So I, I think the fit is there. I'm not concerned about the defense. But offensively, I like it. I mean, just a few numbers for you. Jordan Hawkins was in the top 97 percentile in spot-up scoring. He shot 44% on contested jumpers off the catch. And he was in the top 88 percentile in catch-and-shoot jumpers. So that right there, it gives him a strong case to be the best shooter in this draft. I know some people are saying Grady Dick, but I I think you can make a strong case for Jordan Hawkins, considering that Hawkins is the best movement shooter, and the degree of difficulty on his shots, I feel like, was a little bit tougher than than Grady. So the Knicks, I wasn't expecting him to be in this draft, and I wasn't expecting (laughs) them to be able to address a major need in in shooting, and, and they got it. I still think it's a win for the Knicks. Okay, interesting. And you, I think it said in our last episode that you thought Hawkins was possibly the best shooter in this draft class. Do you stand by that, either of you? I think it's a strong debate. I think he has a strong case. Yeah. All right, well, for more about Hawkins' skill set, let's go to Locked On College Basketball co-host, let me be clear, co-host Andy Patton. If the Yukon Huskies want to repeat as national champions next season, they're going to have to do so without star combo guard Jordan Hawkins. Hawkins finds himself selected in the NBA draft. I'm Andy Patton, the host of the Locked On College Basketball podcast, and Hawkins was one of the biggest improvers in college basketball last season. Triple his scoring output was a huge part of the success for Danny Hurley's team. The biggest question mark for Hawkins as he enters the NBA is whether he is going to be used as a true point guard, a role he didn't really carry all that much at UConn thanks to the presence of Tristan Newton or is he going to play more off the ball but what we know for a fact is that Jordan Hawkins can light it up as well as just about anybody in this draft class he is a pure shooter he has the size and ability to get to the rim he also showcased very very much promise as a defender as a point of attack defender and as an overall defensive player this is going to be a very very solid NBA player I think I heard him say he's the host. Uh, Isaac, host was was mentioned there. You're still with us this time around. Yesterday, yeah, I, Isaac I, bounced when we I didn't uh, leave. <laughs> all I right. Didn't leave. 
Yeah, right. I got some beef that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's going on over here? Ooh. Locked on college basketball podcast. Listen, the, the only beef I got is a beef stick because I'm on keto right now, y'all. So uh, me and Andy are great. <laughs> I don't know. He, he keeps saying he's the host. Hey, <laughs> as long as the checks keep coming, man, host all you want, Andy. I love it. There's an ATM in every city, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. We're all about the drama here. Come on, you, you got to give us some of the tea, Isaac. Man, oh, we're getting our dad jokes from you. That's right, because I got two of them, and I just lean right on into it. So, leave too lean. Let's get to him pretty soon, but I lean into the dad jokes. Wow. Okay. You know what? For more on Hawkins <laughs> fit with the New York Knicks, let's check in with Leaf Tulane of the Locked On NBA Big Board. <laughs> Jordan Hawkins at 11 to the New York Knicks via trade with the Orlando Magic. Hawkins won't have to travel far from where he tore the nets in stores, Connecticut, leading the Huskies to a championship where he showcased his brilliant shooting. In my opinion, the best shooter in the class shoots it off movement, shoots it off catch and shoots and excels doing it all the same. He's an underrated athlete, someone who can uh, put the ball on the floor and attack the rim. He draws fouls at an elite rate. His appeal is shooting. With the Knicks, how does that fit? Very well, in my opinion, because they've got guys who get into the paint, burrow holes, and find ways to get shots up. But what will help them have more space, and uh, when I speak of them, it is Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, is to have a shooter creating gravity for more space for the Knicks. Uh, Jordan Hawkins is someone that I don't know if he'll go in the lottery for sure, but with the right fit, I think there's a serious appeal because of the way the league prioritizes shooting and the Knicks would come away with the best shooter in the 2023 draft class should they draft Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut. Okay, Tulane co-signed on it, best shooter in the draft, and mentioned some of that movement and, you know, the tougher shots that he's taking. Interesting. Isaac, you're you're cut off. I think we need, you know, the dad jokes. No go. Great. I'll just sit here and twiddle my thumbs. Y'all have at it. (laughs) Oh, I love that. All right. Well, you know what? It's been getting crazy in the war room. It's been crazy here on the Locked On Mock Draft NBA podcast. And, you know, I've heard that Locked On Jazz host David Locke himself has been pretty fired up about his upcoming pick. Uh, Let's see uh, what he has to say. I can now tank if I want to next year. And previously I couldn't. That's one of the greatest trades made since Danny Ainge traded Rudy Gobert. Put it on the you, spreadsheet. You, you, you hear that, Adam? You hear that, Adam? He can tank next season. Okay, buddy? Should have taken the offer. Put it on the spreadsheet. See, see, David, I helped you in the end. Oh, we're not done yet. I saw the 16th pick, and you still have Jalen Suggs. If this truly happened, I'd be so happy. This is incredible. All right. How would you guys rate David's reaction? On point or what? I, I, I kind of feel like I want to be in the war room. It's not going to get a lot of fun going on there. It is seriously, it is lit in the war room. He's cracking me up. So now the question is, what is uh, Locked On Jazz host David Locke going to do with this pick? And, and, you know, he obviously has something up his sleeve based on the way he's talking in the war room. We'll find out exactly what coming up next. The Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is presented by Prize Picks. Do you love watching sports and want to play an extra game that can just add a little extra stake to make it even more fun? 
Prize Picks is the game for you. It's so much fun. Here's how it works. You can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than your projection, you can win tons of money, even up to 25 times the money that you put in on any entry. I personally have had a lot of fun playing this throughout the NBA Finals. It was so much fun. I ended up winning some cash, some serious cash, thanks to the Denver Nuggets winning and Nikola Jokic putting up some big numbers. This is an awesome game that you do not want to miss. So that's exactly how it works. Now you can download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Once again, don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for instant deposit match at $100. Continuing our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, the Utah Jazz have the 12th pick after trading. Uh, what do you guys think David Locke has up his sleeve? <laughs> Whatever it is, I want some of it, man. He's on something. <laughs> <laughs> the way that trade went down and the way how easy it went, uh, I just want to see what David Locke has. That's, that, that's all. Okay, so looking at this Jazz team, I could see maybe a franchise guard who can shoot. Yeah. Do you think that there is a specific position that the Jazz could be eyeing, Rafael? Yeah, I think point guard is, is a position of need, so that's what the direction I would go in. Uh, a point guard with some size, to be honest with you. I mean, you need a, a, a point guard, especially with Mark, and if you find someone that can get him open looks in the pick-and-pop situations, that would, that would be ideal. And you don't expect it to be. I know we've teased uh, potentially Derek Lively a couple times. I mean, I just don't. I don't think you need him with what you got with Walker Kessler. And I mean, maybe you could roll those guys together, but that seems like too much. I'm with you, Raphael. Let's go guard here. Okay, so who's the best point guard available if they're looking for someone to run the floor, Isaac? Casey Wallace. I want him. Take him to Utah. That's why David Locke is so happy. My man, like Raphael said it yesterday, do not, like, why do we keep ever second guessing these Kentucky dudes? And Cason Wallace is an absolute dude, both sides of the court. I, I want him on my team. That that defense that the Jazz could have when you, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, I want Cason Wallace. Are you agreeing with that, Raphael? I mean, I'm biased. I've been filming him since he was a fourth grader. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> yeah, no so. way. Yeah, why? No, Wait, story time. Uh, so I think it's like 2000. I was in Paris, France, and <laughs> getting married. This <laughs> is you got way married. before I had a wife. This is when I was just a struggling videographer, and uh, a friend of mine had a team, and he was like, "Hey, I got some fourth graders." And this was before like everybody had like mixtapes and videographers covering teams. So I filmed this fourth grade team that they told me was really good that was competing on a national level. And Casey Wallace was on the team, and. When I look at the, the footage going back, I went through it a few months back and I'm seeing games with Anthony Black is on the court, Keontae George is on the court, and then Keontae told me Derek Whitehead was on his team. But of course they're fourth graders, so it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to you know tell who was who. But yeah, I mean, I've been filming, I got footage of Casey Wallace when he was in fourth grade. That's freaking unreal. I love it. Just keep the stories coming, Raphael. These are amazing. Like, what? All right, well, we've just learned the 12th pick is in. Let's go to Locked On Jazz host David Locke with his selection. The Utah Jazz started the day with three draft picks, the first at number nine. And right as we were about to submit our envelope of our pick, Oklahoma City gave us an incredible offer. 
which was to give us back our 2024 first-round pick in exchange for sliding down to 12. This is a massive win for the Utah Jazz because now the 2024 pick is back in our control. It was 1-10 through 10 protected, meaning that if we wanted to develop talent and not win games, we would lose our pick next year. And it was now unencumbered for future trades. So this was the biggest step, huge pickup. But even better, the player we were going to select at 9, we also got at 12 in Kaysen Wallace, the Kentucky guard. He has great control. He moves the basketball beautifully. And this can be again beginning of another piece for the Utah Jazz moving forward as Kaysen Wallace now will be the point guard of the future, taken with the 12th pick for the Utah Jazz. Okay, so time out. I've been to Utah. I don't remember Utah looking like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the people that are listening on the podcast, they can't see, but it looked like David Locke was making moves in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. I should preface that. Um, David Locke filmed his video for the video portion of this podcast, and like literally there's a jungle behind him. So I need answers. Uh, David Locke, the most dedicated of all our hosts and our fearless leader, like filming from the jungle to be a part of this mock draft. So first of all, kudos to that. <laughs> <laughs> jealous. Okay. Yeah. Sonny, right. Sonny Weaver Jr. is jealous. If anyone knows that reference, I don't think anyone will. But I'm just putting it out there. Refresh us. Draft day. Kevin Costner. Oh, okay. Uh, man. Okay. I was going to say a, crickets. Crickets. Yes. <laughs> crickets like David Locke's probably hearing in Costa Rica. Anyway, keep going. There's another dad joke. Okay. Yep. I was going to say keep the dad jokes coming to Isaac. <laughs> we love to hear it. Um, okay. So what was your guys' reaction? You guys already kind of both, um, you know, mentioned that you thought this was the right pick, but any additional insights on Carson Wallace? Yeah. I mean, I'd say that when you look at guards from Kentucky over the past few years, they've outplayed their draft position from Tyrese Maxey to Shaker Just Alexander to Tyler Hero. And it seems like, and it's not a knock on Kentucky, but it seems like they're holding their players back in a sense. I mean, even you can go with Carl Anthony Towns. I think he was two for eight from three mm. his freshman year at Kentucky. Now he's arguably like the greatest seven-foot shooter of all time by percentage. The percentages say he is. Anyway, that's a whole different subject. But I think Casey Wallace has a lot more game than he was able to show at Kentucky. And I mentioned I've had been filming him since he was in fourth grade. So I actually talked to him a few weeks back and I was asking him, like, what is the biggest misconception about his game? And he mentioned that everybody thinks I'm just a defender. I can go score and get buckets when I need to. And so... I'm just biased again <laughs> because I know, yeah. but I think that he helps Utah defensively and he's he's steady and he has a higher ceiling than, than people think. I think a lot of people think that he is so polished that he doesn't have the same upside as his peers. Isaac, you're nodding your head for those who can't see. Uh, what are your thoughts? Raphael's right on with that because he makes the game look so easy because he's so fluid. It's like an outfielder that goes to just like track down a fly ball that the rest of us would be huffing and puffing to even come within five feet of. And it's just like, he just glides by it. That's case Wallace. He just makes the game look so easy. It's like, could you, could you maybe just break a sweat and make the rest of us feel good? But I mean, very simply put, Raphael talked about it. Kentucky has a history of kind of stunting guy. I mean, we had a, a period where the Harrison twins are the ones getting all the shots and you've got 
I, I can't even remember who it was off the top of my head. Devin Booker. Uh, was it Booker? That's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. Booker's like fifth or sixth in shot attempts on that team. I mean, it's just silly. And so the same thing happened last year at Kentucky. It's Severe Wheeler um, was leading the charge for Kentucky. And finally, I think it was actually because of an injury, not because Coach Cal realized he yep. needed to switch him, that mm-hmm. finally Cason Wallace becomes the starting point guard and Kentucky takes off. They still had an up and down season, fine, whatever, but just looked like a completely different basketball team with him running the show. And I, I love to see it. He doesn't have to be the guy at the one for the Jazz, but I, I mean, I think he should be in, in a big way. I would like to see his three-point shot grow a little bit and, and it'll continue to do so as he moves from being a student athlete to just an athlete. But I mean, right out of the gate last year, he jumped out at me. In college, we have a thing called the Champions Classic. It's um, Kansas, Duke, Michigan State, and Kentucky right out of the gate every year. And last year, it was Kentucky and Michigan State. My man, Kaysen, 14 points, five rebounds, five assists, eight steals, y'all. Eight steals against Michigan State. I mean, that's a Tom Izzo coach team, which just doesn't do that. A block, hit a couple threes. Kaysen Wallace has the whole package. He can fill out a stat sheet from that guard position. Would you call him the best? I'm no, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I want to add a little bit of story time so that I don't make it brief. Okay, good. No, no, no. We love story when, time. When we love story filming, times and drama. <laughs> I was filming Casey's <laughs> team. He was not the best player on his team, but he played like the four and the five because his dad wouldn't allow him to shoot outside the paint until he was in sixth grade. Hmm. And what? so that was his, his dad just said he didn't want to. Yeah, like, why? Have, just he didn't want to like mess up his form or have him forcing shots and. Hmm. And, but that was just his philosophy. And I jokingly tell his dad, well, you know, it worked. I mean, your son's gonna be a lottery pick. But the reason why he's such a good defender, I believe is because when he was younger, he always defended bigs because he wasn't playing on the perimeter. And he was a very good defender at such a young age. And it's really cool to see him develop into like this good defender, this physical competitive guy. On, on the college level and seeing how it translates to the NBA. And again, I'm just like, it's just crazy to me because I used to film this guy and now he's, he's in the NBA. But I'm not surprised at like his, his defensive pressure and his defensive role because that was who he was as a kid. And money's not gonna change him because he was a defender <laughs> when he was a little kid. That's fascinating that about his dad. Like, I just think that's so interesting. Like, why? I mean, it, it was 2014 or 15, so it was before yeah. Steph. Well, I guess it was like in the when Steph was kind of making his mark. But now if you go watch a group of fourth graders play him and they're pulling up for threes every other possession, yeah. that's right. he didn't want to mess up his form and he well, wanted him to learn the game inside out right. first. And it's that same kind of thing, like uh, a pitcher isn't always going to be allowed to throw a curveball until they're a little bit older. Uh, Steve Jobs, you know, he's not letting his kids have screens and stuff. I mean, it's just sometimes these guys see these things or ladies, I should say, and uh, just recognize, like, let's force you to learn every one of these fundamentals that I know is going to help you down the road. And I love those offbeat stories. Raphael, that's awesome. I know. That's amazing. Okay. Well, to find out more, let's go over to Lance Dahl from Locked on Kentucky. Wallace is one of many in a long line of John Calipari backcourt standouts. And much like his Wildcat counterparts, 
Wallace has the ability to be a sleeper in this year's NBA draft. Hi, my name is Lance Dahl, host of the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Wallace may be one of, if not the best perimeter defender in this year's 2023 NBA draft. That was his biggest strength at Kentucky, and that's what's going to carry him into the lottery this year season. Wallace was also able to show off some athleticism on both ends of the floor, not as much as he did in high school, but certainly enough to pop on tape. One of the biggest things that I like about Cason Wallace's game is his maturity as a freshman guard for the Wildcats really showed a lot of poise and maturity whenever things got tight. Now, the Wildcats obviously didn't perform as consistently as they would have liked in pressure situations, but Case and Wallace was always there to kind of give them a little bit more stability. As the season went on, he certainly showed signs of maturity and development. And I really think with some more development at the NBA level, he can become a better shooter. 34.6% is not elite. And he can become a better combo guard, which is truly what he is and what he will be at the next level. Okay, well, let's find out more about Wallace's fit. Here's Richard Stamen of the Lockdown NBA Big Board. Casey Wallace is an outstanding addition to the Utah Jazz. First, the Utah Jazz are already building a great defensive identity. They have Walker Kessler anchoring their defense, adding another layer to him as, as with a top premier perimeter defender in Casey Wallace is going to be a great addition. On top of that, Utah needs a point guard. They have somebody now that can play both on ball and off ball. And with Kentucky, you just never know. Tyrese Maxey, Devin Booker, both those guys really didn't get to showcase their full abilities at Kentucky. While they're not the same player as Casey Wallace, Casey Wallace still gets a little bit of that benefit of the doubt. I got to see Casey Wallace make 14 of 18 threes in the corner from his pro day and the NBA draft combine in person. I love this fit. I think ultimately Utah got a steal here and they also did it while gaining assets. So props to the Utah Jazz. This is a great addition for them. Okay, there you have it. We got to keep it moving here on our Locked on NBA Mock Draft special. Pick number 13 on the clock, Toronto Raptors. Uh, what exactly direction do they need to go in this draft to try to add to their roster? Four seasons removed from winning that championship, either one of you. Uh, balance. I feel like they have a bunch of guys that play the same position, a bunch of long arm wings <laughs> with overlapping skill sets. I would say point guard simply because there's a strong possibility that Fred Van Vliet is going to, to, to leave this summer. And so mm-hmm. I would definitely go point guard. Okay. What about you, Isaac? Yeah, I mean, as Raphael said, with a whole cavalcade of wings, I'm going either direction from that, whether it's to the backcourt or to the frontcourt. So maybe we get Derek Lively back in the conversation. Um, I'm curious, at some point here, we're going to get one of the two Michigan guys off the board. I'm wondering which one it's going to be first and when that comes. Um at some point soon here, we're going to get into Keontae George territory. Um, I'm excited to see him and when exactly that will be. But uh, those are a couple I'm keeping my eye on. What was, what was the word you used? Caval- cavalcade? I don't even remember, man. Maybe cavalcade? Who knows? Too big for me. I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so time out, Isaac. So we're talking about point guards specifically. Who is the best left on the board? And what do you, who do you think would fit best specifically with some of, we mentioned, you know, these long mm. wings with the Raptors? From an actual point guard? Yeah, let's ah, say actual man. point After Case and Wallace, we've got Anthony Black off the board. That's what I'm saying. We kind of had a couple big ones uh, go. Maybe... Jalen Hutchifino. I would go Keontae George before him, though. Um, man, one of those two guys, I would say, probably. 
Okay. Anyone else you've got your eye on, Raphael, in terms of, like you mentioned, the point guard position? I would take a strong look at Nick Smith Jr. Coming into the season, he was the number one player, at least the number one projected number one prospect in college basketball. And he had a up and down year and he showed some flashes, but he was out a significant amount of time. And we talked about it um, earlier about the fact that he came back and played and he probably hurt his draft back a little bit by, by playing hurt. I think that if you trust what you saw back at the McDonald's game and the hoop summit, it's a steal for you to get him at, at 13. All right. Well, the 13th pick is officially in. Uh, let's go to Locked on Raptors host Sean Woodley for his selection. With the 13th pick in the 2023 Locked on NBA mock draft, the Toronto Raptors select Kobe Bufkin, the combo guard out of Michigan. And the reason for this pick is pretty simple. This Toronto Raptors team for the last couple years has sorely needed extra guard play and more shooting up and down the roster. Kobe Bufkin should be able to offer both of those things with one selection. Obviously, he's a rookie. He's not going to change the Raptors offense overnight. But outside of Fred Van Vliet, they really haven't had much creation from the guard spot. And while Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes have playmaking chops, having some traditional guard play and a little bit of off-the-bounce shooting would be such a welcome addition to this team, which has badly been missing those elements in large part whenever Fred Van Vliet has sat over the last couple seasons. And of course, he's a pending free agent, and so it's going to be paramount for the Raptors to add those guard-like skills to this team. The two guys taken off the board just before Bufkin were also very much of interest to the Raptors here. Jordan Hawkins, a knockdown three-point shooter and Kaysen Wallace a bit more of a season defensive oriented point guard both would have been great selections but Kobe Bufkin offers exactly what the Raptors need at number 13. Okay the 6-4 guard from Michigan Kobe Bufkin uh, what do you guys make of this pick? I like it I think that Bufkin is very interesting when I did like my film breakdowns and studies when I looked at Bufkin, he was a guy similar to Casey Wallace, did not have a lot of weaknesses. Or I should say he didn't have any glaring weaknesses. There are guys in this mm-hmm. draft that are going to go higher. We know that they have a major issue with their shooting or maybe they need to, I don't know, work on their defense. But with, with Bufkin, he's solid all around. And even though he's a sophomore, he's younger than some of the freshmen. I know he's younger than his teammate, Jed Howard. And he went from three points per game to 14. And the the best Kobe Bufkin stat I have is that he shot 71% at the win. In college basketball, where they don't have great floor space. So that's pretty impressive. Interesting. What's your takeaways, Isaac, on this? Yeah, one of the things I love about Bufkin is we get so often these guys who come in as freshmen. It's like, oh, man, all these huge expectations. But Bufkin really burst onto the scene for us in the college basketball level this past year as a sophomore. As Rafael said, uh, a younger guy. And you, I I know NBA front offices are always looking for that. Like, how many years of development are we going to be able to have? Um, He does have this good kind of two-way combination where there, there's defensive capability there. There's shot creation. There's shot making, which are two very different but both important things. Yeah. And I, I think that Buffkin will be able to do that. I got to see uh, just because of my hosting duties with Locked On Tar Heels, they played Michigan last year and and watched Buffkin make some really good like 
um, Coach Hubert Davis kept throwing this defense at Bufkin to get the ball out of his hands. And then there was this one play I specifically remember where he just denied the ball screen to get, I think it was to get the ball to Jet Howard for a bucket, or maybe it was Hunter Dickinson. I can't remember. But I just loved watching him diagnose the defense that North Carolina was throwing at him in that moment. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be their best player. He definitely wasn't supposed to be the first person drafted. No. You look at most people thought it was Dickinson's team, then Howard, then Bufkin. And I, and I talked to a, a coach from a, a rival school, and he was like, at the beginning of the year, we didn't really game plan for him. But the second time we played, we had to game plan because he was the best player. So question for both of you guys. I'd read an article that said that Bufkin needs to add a couple pounds to be a more competitive defender at the next level. Do you think that's fair? And if so, how much mass do you think he would need to put on? Isaac, you're nodding your head. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, he is slight. His measurement, uh, he's, let me say this. He's put on about 10 pounds since the beginning of the season. I think he, like his Michigan roster weight was like 175. And I think. Yeah, that's where I think I looked it up at the time when reading that article. It said 175. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly at the draft he measured like 185 186 and so i think he's added a good bit of what i'm gonna guess is not taco bell runs at night but actually good <laughs> muscle mass um and so yeah i mean he is going to need to bulk up from where he was he's he's kind of got a slender frame but i mean we, we've talked about it kind of not necessarily ad nauseum but quite a bit with guys like chet you know we had that whole yeah. uh thunder discussion the other day but yeah i mean to guard positionally at the two he's gonna need to keep bulking up that frame but it's not something I'm worried that his frame can't handle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As long as he puts it on slowly and puts it on the right way, I'm not too concerned. I'd really be concerned if he put on like 20 pounds in one summer. <laughs> and then that usually leads to some type of injuries. But as long as it's gradual and, and it's, there's progression there, I think he'll be fine. Okay. I know we've talked about it a little bit in the last episode. It's not going to go crazy with it, but like I said, I just know that's one piece of analysis that I'd read about. I'm just curious about. All right. Well, for more insight on Kobe Bufkin, let's check in with Locked on Wolverines host Isaiah Hole. This is Isaiah Hole from Locked on Wolverines here to talk a little bit about Kobe Bufkin, the guard for Michigan basketball. Bufkin was a four-star recruit out of Grand Rapids, and he didn't really start to come on here until his sophomore year, and it was a little bit more late in the season. Uh, He started to get his first run at the beginning of the year, but it was more mid to late season that suddenly he started to have games where he started to actually take over. And as a result, he skyrocketed up the uh, NBA draft rankings. Now, Was he the type of player that you would look at and say he is a complete player? He's a guy that is going to dominate in the NBA. No, he's more of a role player. But what he was able to do in this last 2022 to 2023 season indicates that he can be a high productive player. He certainly needs to add a little bit of weight. He can be a little bit of streaky at times, but Bufkin has everything that you need to be able to go out and actually perform well in the NBA level. Look at him as a comp as Jordan Poole, the former Michigan guard as well. Uh, He certainly has a lot of similar traits, ability to, to hit deep shots, as well as just find ways to score. Again, a little streaky, but certainly has that scoring ability within him. Interesting. Raphael, do you see the comparisons to uh, from Bufkin to Jordan Poole? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, because I kind of thought the same thing, but I don't know. You know, I watch the Warriors. I don't know if I was biased at all, but <laughs> what is your take on that? Uh, I mean, I guess I can see some similarities in a sense as like 
a combo guard and, and can score. I mean, I think the shot selection is totally, totally different. And I think Bufkin is going to end up being a, a better defender. But Poole is someone that kind of came out of nowhere in, in a sense at, at Michigan. And it took him a couple years to develop. And then then he just made a big splash once he, once he uh, got some real playing time with the Warriors. I think that Bufkin, because of where he's going in the draft, probably won't have to spend as much time in the G League as Poole did. Same. Isaac, you watch him, you know, in terms of college, in college basketball more than we did. Do you sure. see any comparisons to Jordan Poole? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, they played for Michigan. There you yeah. go. Um, yeah. I mean, there was a, like, I love what Isaiah talking Isaiah about. over here. On our <laughs> I, love, I love what Isaiah is talking about, though, about um, him really, Buffkin coming on late in the year. A great um, a great game to look at is they hosted Wisconsin, who was typically known as like, when we talk Big Ten and it's like, oh my gosh, Big Ten basketball, yawn, wake me up, you know, when it's over, because we're just, <laughs> anyway, they're playing Wisconsin, who is like the quintessential version of that. If there is an epitome of Big Ten yawn, it is Wisconsin basketball. <laughs> Against Wisconsin, I mean, this was like a late February game, had 28 points, eight boards, like two assists, two steals, um, uh, just putting it on these Badgers who all they do is take charges, I think. I think that's the only thing that Wisconsin basketball knows how to do. And there's Bufkin just doing everything he can on him. And I just think that's a great example of what he's capable of doing against someone who's choosing to try to stop you offensively as their game plan. Yeah, well, for more how Bufkin fits in with the Raptors, potentially, let's go to Leaf Tulane of the Lockdown NBA Big Board. Kobe Bufkin of Michigan goes to the Toronto Raptors, a player who became a draft darling, someone who rose up the boards as most most of the focus was on Jet Howard earlier in the year, and then the attention went on to the point guard. First-year playing point guard, Kobe Bufkin's a guy who has tremendous skill level, good defensive acumen, and he's good at everything. May not be great at anything, but he is good at everything, shot the ball well per advanced stats and by just counting stats, defends, facilitates, had plus athleticism based off analytics, finishing, transition scoring, isolation. He excels in all of that. He also ran the ship for a Michigan team that had a lot of mouths to feed, did so getting some points for himself and facilitating well for Hunter Dickinson as well as Jet Howard. Uh, he fits in with Toronto nicely because he's a plus size guard, which fits their MO to a T. He can space the floor a little bit, help with their dysfunction, shooting the ball and a lot of the clogged paint with their lengthy rim attackers. Uh, he can space the ball a floor a little bit and eventually potentially take over the reins at point guard for a team that doesn't have a true point guard uh, with Fred Van Fleet, mostly playing the two guard in terms of the way he attacks uh, from the perimeter, I think he could take some pressure off of Van Fleet and Scotty Barnes in particular, a playoff of Pascal Siakam and the rim attacks that the Raptors have. So I like this pick for the Raptors. Kobe Bufkin's in the eye to monitor as he rises up draft boards. Okay, well, New Orleans and Atlanta are up next with the 14th and 15th selections here in our mock draft. These are two teams that have their superstars in Zion Williamson and Trey Young. Who will they surround them with? We'll find out up next. 
The Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is brought to you by Ibotta. Everything's getting so expensive these days. Everyone's looking for a way to save money. Ibotta is a great way to do exactly that. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It is actually that easy. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retail too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora's, Best Buy, and much more. Right now, Ibotta is offering your listeners just $5 for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDON when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store. Use the code LOCKED. You'll definitely want to check it out. Moving along in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, the New Orleans Pelicans on the clock with a 14th pick. New Orleans, a team that has their superstar in Zion Williamson, if he ever sees the court. But you have to act like he is going to play next season. What is the most important piece they need to add to this team around Zion? Raphael, you first. (laughs) Add to the team around Zion? Or just how to get Zion. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, you can't go there. The most important piece for Zion is a healthy Zion. Right. (laughs) Getting Zion to play is seriously the talking point when it comes to New Orleans. But like I said, I'm assuming you have to draft and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Raphael, in terms of the thought process of a front office. Do you draft assuming that you're pairing someone with Zion or that he's going to play or, you know, how do you approach it? Honestly, I'm drafting insurance policy Zion. I mean, it's been four years and he just has not been healthy. And your season has just been totally dependent on if he is going to be available. Honestly, I would just draft someone that I think could be an insurance policy that has upside. I mean, if Zion is healthy, great. If he's not, it's someone that can come in and, and help us win. But they could also go guard, but they have quite a few guards in the roster, so I think that would be really redundant there. But like I said, I'm, I'm going for a backup four. Okay. Isaac, do you agree? Do you go with an insurance policy yeah. for Zion or do you draft as if you hope Zion is going to play, uh, whether that's a lofty, you know, want maybe, but what do you think? I mean, yeah, I'd love Zion to be what we expect from Zion, from the Zion that we saw in his one year in college. I mean, it was the most special thing I've seen in college basketball in a long time. I'm Had just Obama not. come into the games. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like, but here's the thing. We cannot trust it now. I, I made the mistake of having that young man on my fantasy basketball one time, <laughs> my fantasy basketball team one time. No, no more. Give me the insurance policy. Uh, and if we're looking at that in the range of, of what Rafael is talking about, the problem is there's just not a Zion Williamson level talent. I mean, maybe it's Gigi Jackson time. Maybe you go a little bigger, a different skill set and look at Derek Lively. We've been talking about him quite a bit. Um, I think it might be a bit too early. Who was I just thinking about? Um, For Chris Murray, maybe, but I I don't know. What, Raphael, sorry? I like Gigi as, you know, a long-term replacement. That's the thing. It's it's a project with Gigi. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris Murray, I haven't thought about that. It 
you know, a lot of people say that's really high for him. I think it would be too high. Yeah. He is ready to come in and contribute right away. He'll be 23 on open night. So it's not like there's going to be a, a steep learning curve for him. And he's ready. And, and this is my theory about Chris Murray. If you draft him and he's on his rookie contract, he's going to be in his prime mm-hmm. while he's on his rookie contract. So you're really getting a bang for your buck. Again, it's too high. But if I'm thinking long term, I'd say Gigi Jackson. So wait, Isaac, I want to know how much money did you lose from having Zion Williamson on your fantasy team? Oh, just respect. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing that is priceless in this life, you lost your respect, your dignity. Thanks a lot. Zion Williamson, it sounds like owes you something. Yeah, it's, it's OK. I won up. this year because I'm a baller. But he's only played 114 games mm-hmm. since 2019. But uh, honestly, Barlow, I love your point there. If you're wanting to draft an insurance policy, you don't need an insurance policy for three years from now. I need an insurance policy today. So get me the Mm -hmm. duck or I don't know, whatever I need for insurance. I need somebody that's ready to go today. So get me Jake from State Farm on the phone and let's do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jake from State Farm has made the 14th selection here in our mock draft. Just kidding. It's Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans. The Pelicans struggled in the half court this season, ranking them bottom third of the league when it came to scoring. Part of that was because of the injuries to Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, and part was because the depth they have just lacks that go-to score off the bench. I would have preferred Kobe Bufkin, who went one pick before, but Nick Smith Jr. out of Arkansas is a close second. While Smith Jr. had an inconsistent season, he has the ceiling of a guy who can be an elite scorer and shot maker at the NBA level. His handle is excellent, which allows him to get to the rim where he's a good finisher. His shooting mechanics are fluid, which should make him a threat from three-point range with more practice, and the Pels have an excellent shooting shooting coach in Fred Vincent, Jose Alvarado, Dyson Daniels. They just don't have the repertoire that Smith has, the skills that he has. If the Pels want to find a scoring six man off the bench to provide some punch with the second unit and potentially be CJ McCollum's replacement in a few years, this is who it is. He also works well off ball as a cutter and gives you shades of Jamal Murray and Tyler Hero. He should pair very well when on the court with Zion Williamson. Oh, you guys. He, so Jake from State Farm did not go with the insurance policy. You just heard him say pairing with Zion Williamson. Uh, what is your reaction to his pick? He's, he has a lot of faith. <laughs> He's, he has a lot of, of faith. In, I mean, 114 games. That it, It's hard to be optimistic about that. I, I like Nick Smith a lot. Now, they have quite a few guards. Um, I guess the, the Kyra Lewis experience is probably over, and he was a lottery pick for them just a, mm-hmm. a few years back. I know he, he missed some time with a torn ACL. Again, I mean, I think Nick Smith has a high upside, and who better to learn from than C.J. McCollum? I think there are some similarities in their game. as like these crafty combo guards that don't necessarily, like, wow you with athleticism. So on one hand, I can't be mad at him, but I still think they're going to have a glaring hole in the front court because I'm just not optimistic. (laughs) Mm. So Isaac, I've got a question for you. Smith. I'd love it if you asked me. Okay, perfect. Um, So Smith was considered the top recruit in the country coming out of high school in 2022. I remember all this buzz around him and then he was so inconsistent. What happened when he got to Arkansas? 
Oh, it was it was a knee injury. Uh, he only played 17 games last year. And so uh, it, this is totally his stock sliding because of that. Kind of as we talked about, I believe it was on the last episode, um, his decision then to still come back and play. Like he was out, came back, played a couple games, and then uh, was tabled again for a little while. And, and there was all this conversation about is he coming back? Is he not? And ultimately decided to, which as Raphael and I both said yesterday, probably ingratiated himself to some front offices, but probably hurt himself here in this draft scenario. And so that, I mean, that's part of the risk here of Jake Madison t- and the, um, and the Pelicans taking him is if Zion continues to be the walking injury unit that he is. And if this is a long-term thing with Nick Smith, if he's not fully healthy, then th- you're pairing these guys together to go sit on the bench together while they recover. And that's one of the risks here. However, if you're getting the Nick Smith Jr. that you just said, Kylan, and it's the dude that was at the top of everybody's draft board this time last year, then this is an absolute steal for New Orleans. And they're going to be dancing around eating beignets together while Nick Smith is cutting to the basket and getting buckets. I mean, it's crazy, though, to me, like when you look at the college game and you've seen other players in this situation, like, do you just not come back from injury then, you know, in order to not affect your draft stock? Like as a competitor, I feel like, you know, maybe you want to get back and play. Like you said, he ingratiated himself to some people. I just I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting scenario. The the classic uh, that I always go back to with this is Kyrie, who uh, was just injured at Duke, never came back, never played. And uh, things have I think he came back at the very end. At the very, yeah, I mean, like, end. yeah. But Darius Garland didn't come back. He Darius like Garland a, didn't. Um, another Michael Porter Jr. came back um, and played like only in the NCAA tournament, and it was just it didn't go well. And so, I mean, we we've seen examples on both sides of it, Kylan. But I mean, ultimately, for me, so so much of it is about. Um, protecting your draft stock by not showing more than you have to. And so I think that's where where the caution comes in is saying, hey, don't go show them what you can't do, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it makes sense. Like I said, it's just interesting, you know, like, hey, you got to just sit out, you know, and wait this one out to the draft. You know, I just think it's, it's you know, interesting from a competitor standpoint. Got to hold tough. on to that stock. You got to keep that stock yeah. high, right? Yeah, I, I had a conversation with Keontae George about this a few weeks back, and he was somebody that was really high coming into the season, and then a lot of people have him outside of the lottery. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that he sprained his ankle against Texas, and he That's said right. that it was wrapped so heavily when he came back that one mm-hmm. foot was bigger than the other. He said one foot was heavier than the other. He couldn't move. He didn't have the vertical pop. And so I, I mentioned to him, like, is it a tough decision to, like, protect your draft stock? Or do you go out there, you play it not 100%, and people have a hard time unseeing what they saw. And he said, I just wanted to go out and win. And he's like, if I were only playing for my draft stock, at the end of the day, that would have hurt me because I would have been playing selfishly. So mm-hmm. we're talking about Keontae, whose injury wasn't as bad as Nick Smith, but we have two guys that actually chose to play hurt. And both guys, I think it really impacted their draft stock. Yeah, for sure. I mean, another thing that you do have to take into account a little bit is just, you know, a lot of these players only get one chance at college. You get one chance to, you know, be a college athlete, go through that fun experience of playing for your team, playing with your teammates. And you mentioned, you know, he was just focused on winning in that moment. Like, I could see where they're coming from, you know, like they know they're going to go on to an NBA career. And, you know, just that college experience is a once in a lifetime thing, if that makes any sense to either y'all. 
It 100% does. And at Baylor, where they have become famous now, synonymous with these three-guard lineups. I mean, the opportunity for Keontae George to play with two veteran guards in L.J. Cryer and Adam Flagler um, is, is really difficult to pass up while learning from a guy like Scott Drew, while learning for from Alvin Brooks III, who is just a great uh, one of their assistants that I um, have been fortunate enough to build a relationship with. Just a great man. And so they've got this coaching staff pouring into these dudes. Why wouldn't you want to go be part of that atmosphere that they got going on? I mean, you've seen, uh, if you guys were keeping tabs on it, what I know Jerome Tang, what he did at Kansas State this year, yeah. had been a long-term assistant coach at Baylor there, just helping set that culture and everything they were doing. And you saw who he is this year on the biggest stage. That's what Baylor has. And so if I'm Keontae George, I absolutely want to be part of that. Here's the numbers for you. In the two games prior to getting hurt, Keontae combined for 43 points and was 11 for 20 from three. He was trending in the right direction. Yeah. And I, I think the games are against Kansas and Kansas State, two teams that ended up being really good. Sprains his ankle against Texas and just does not come back the same player. And I think that's the reason why he hasn't even been selected on this draft because people saw him struggling the second half of the season. Hmm. But keep sleeping, folks. He'll come get you. <laughs> well, we'll get to him in just a little bit. But back to Nick Smith and his journey to Arkansas. To find out more, here's Locked on Razorbacks host John Neighbors. Arkansas Razorback guard Nick Smith was the number one player coming out of high school and was picked to be, in some cases, the number one NBA draft pick before he stepped foot on the Razorback campus. But unfortunately, due to injury and inconsistent playing time and inconsistent play at the time, Nick Smith, although still considered to be an NBA lottery pick, may not be a top five or even a top ten pick, depending on how things go. He is so gifted, though, when it comes to his offensive ability. He's able to score from anywhere on the court. He has a lot of energy and gives it his all every single time he steps onto the floor. And he's also very consistent when it comes to his free throw shooting. His defense was able to be showcased in some regards, but due to the fact that there were those injuries and playing in an Eric Musselman system takes a lot of time to adapt to, we never really got to see that next level defense that we were all expecting. But there's no doubt that the upside for Nick Smith is through the roof. He could be and end up being one of the best NBA players in the next few years, at least the young players, due to his upside. But will he be in the right situation? Can he be with the right team? And will the injuries that plagued him this past season have any impact on him going forward? That's going to be the ultimate key. But there's no doubt in my mind that Nick Smith Jr. is going to be a great player in the NBA and will be a top 10 pick in this year's NBA draft. For more on this pick, let's go to Richard Stamen of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Picking the lottery, the Pelicans selected Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas. He was one of the top three recruits consensus uh, big board, excuse me, consensus recruiting rankings. Um, I think this is a little bit of a reach just based on who is available, but I think I get the need, right? Nick Smith is a lights out shooter at 6'5, even if his production wasn't great this year. You can blame some of the spacing on Arkansas. He didn't get his ideal and most optimized looks. But there have to be concerns. He's not much of an on-ball guard at this moment. He struggles in the pick and roll. He forces some shots. His defense is a little bit iffy. He's going to have to just be a shooter and really fit that mold very well to return good value here. So I think this is a bit of a risk. 
But I do get it because the Pelicans can never get enough shooting next to Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and the rest of the, their core. So overall, I think it's okay. I get it. I still think I would have gone with somebody else, though. There he said it again, next to Zion Williamson. So are y'all just like haters? Or do you think these people are just delusional thinking that Zion's playing this season? It's a fine line between hater and realist, Kylan. And we here, Raphael and I, we are the realists. Definitely. I never thought about it. Isaac, you brought it up that you're drafting a guy that had an injury-plagued freshman season to play with the guy that's played 114 games in four seasons or something like that. That is risky. It is very risky. Yeah. I mean, Zion's got to be the most injury played star in the NBA in the last couple of years. Is there anyone else who sat out more in the last couple of years? I'm talking like star, like Zion is mm. the opportunity to be a star, not just like a good player. I can't think. I mean, Anthony Davis Either. feels like he's out all the time, but not to this yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's still got to be Zion. So, yeah, that was a good point, Isaac. All right, well, we got to move on Thank to you. our 15th pick. Yes, Isaac, you know, we're going to give you your flowers. We're going to give you your flowers. Uh, uh, you know, co-host, co-host. Yes, there we go. All right, well, the Atlanta Hawks are now on the clock with the 15th pick here in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. Atlanta's an interesting team to me. They're a few years removed from the Eastern Conference Finals, but they haven't really shown signs of being that same team. You do have your young star in Trey Young. What do they do with this pick, Rafael? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a good sign Raphael reacts that way. Huh? <laughs> On one hand, I think they need some outside shooting. But I think they can fix that by playing A.J. Griffin more minutes. You have two all-star guards. You've got Onyeka Okongwu, who I think is really good. And he's playing behind Clint Capelli. You still have John Collins. And then Jalen Johnson's in their rotation. They have the talent. Bogdan Bogdanovich, who they just signed to an extension that a lot of people thought was, was interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the pieces. I think it's more... I think there's some issues outside of, like, basketball that's probably holding holding them back. If I were Atlanta, I'd probably... I mean, you know, John Collins' name is always in trade rumors. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But if I were Atlanta, I would probably look to add some shooting just because um, you, know, you, you got your star, so maybe just having someone that's a complimentary piece to, to knock down open shots. Like I said, they have A.J. Griffin. If they play him more minutes, that can fix that. But I may go with Jed Howard here. Okay, interesting. What would you go with, Isaac? Well, you, Kylan, you asked Raphael, what are the Hawks going to do with this pick? As someone who grew up in Atlanta and has painfully watched the Hawks pick Marvin Williams over the likes of Chris Paul, and Darren Williams in 2005 and continually bungling every draft. I just have no hope. But here's what I would do. (laughs) Do you guys know that there is one player in the history of college basketball who has led the nation in both scoring and assists? And that man goes by the name of Trey Young. Now, if I'm Trey Young, I can score and I can shoot from outside, but I'd love a lob threat to just throw the ball up to over and over and over again. And someone who's going to have my back at the rim and can erase my mistakes. And for me, that is none other than Derek Lively, the second from the Duke Blue Devils of Durham, North Carolina. But doesn't he have that in Clint Capella? Yeah, but I, I, I don't I think Lively is going to be a more athletic version of that. 
think okay. Capella, your face tells me you disagree, Rafael. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, I think that's similar. I think if Lively ends up being Clint Capella, that is a, a, a good career. I mean, I think Clint Capella is really good. Now, if they plan yeah. on moving Capella and you want to save some money and you put Lively into that slot, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I like Okongu still. I mean, as a guy yeah. that lives in Dallas, and Dallas needs like a rim protector and all that. And I've made my pitch for Lively in Dallas. Dallas needs one of Atlanta's bigs, whether it's, I mean, really three of them, <laughs> Collins, Okongu, Capella. So if I'm lively, I'm like, man, where do I play yeah. here? I could be the third center if I, unless one of them is moved. But I get where you're going here. I get where you're going. Yeah, I, and what the the level of, yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the defense that he brings that I don't know as someone who has painfully watched the Hawks off you know, uh, throughout my life. It's like, I've, I've just never been convinced that Capella is going to continue to bring that at a consistent level. Um, and I think the, the young body of lively who is just that level of intimidation at the rim feels like he could do some different things. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Capella. I know one year he averaged 15 and 14 and this was like 2021 season. Yeah. And it's been downhill ever since. If they can get that version of Capella back, I mean, that would be great for Atlanta. But if they don't feel like he's going to be that guy again, then I think you can move him and get some assets in return. And then you can draft Lively or give Okonkwo the you know starting center spot. But again, I get where you're going. Yeah. I just think it would be one of those things where like if Derek Lively is drafted and, he, and he's in the, in, the, in the green room and they show he's oh. selected by the Hawks, hey. his facial expression may uh, <laughs> not be happy. Raphael, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think about Trey Young and Keontae George together? Um, I think Trey is, on one hand, you can say like you got your star in place. And it's easy to find guys around him that can compliment him. But I think you always have to surround him with really good defenders. Mm. But good defenders that can shoot are rare. So I wouldn't be a big fan of that fit, especially Love if they it. got DeJounte Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Yeah, they got a decision to make there. But we do have our 15th selection in. Let's head over to Locked On Hawks host Brad Rowland. Hello, friends. My name is Brad Rowland. With the 15th pick in the draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Derek Lively, freshman big man out of Duke. This is not a need pick for the Hawks to have two quality centers at this particular moment in Capella and Okongwu. But with Trey Wins blowing potentially for Atlanta around John Collins and Capella potentially as they try to clear some salary and have some more flexibility and build around Okongwu in the front court, Lively would be a great partner for Okongwu. They could perhaps play together because of their versatility, and Lively also gives them a seven-footer to pair with Okongwu long-term. Beyond that, though, for me, this is a best player available pick. Lively is the highest-rated player available at this point in the draft for me. Not a huge tier break, but with this draft kind of having a lot of flexibility in the middle rounds and a couple of guys that went off the board, maybe unexpectedly before this, a combination of best player available and a pretty interesting pairing from Lively and Okongwu in the future. And that is why we go with Lively at 15 overall for the Hawks. Okay, so there you have it. They go with the seven foot one center from Duke. What is your reaction, Isaac and Raphael? Whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Raphael. I've already talked about it. (laughs) I think we kind of covered this. uh, Yeah, I mean, it just, to me, it only makes sense if they're going to move Okongwu and Capella. 
having someone that is, I mean, I like Lively. I like him a lot. But again, I don't know if you need three centers on, on your roster. Three really good centers. I think you can move one or two and, and get some pieces, which, you know, it's like, what does Atlanta need outside of shooting? I think their starting five is set. I like their top seven or eight rotation. I think you can argue that their top eight guys probably one of the best in the league they just have to put it together but I think Quinn Snyder is going to be a probably like their biggest free agent even though I mean he's already their coach now but I think he's going to be like their biggest addition so that's my follow-up question for you Raphael when we're talking about putting a youngster into the mix of this Hawks team in terms of culture fit like on paper you mentioned you like the top seven eight guys on this roster they look like they should be in contention or at least much better than they are what is missing when you mentioned some of the things maybe unrelated to basketball that are holding this team back I mean I think outside shooting I think uh, I saw a stat that they were like the last ranked team in the NBA scoring out of spot-up situations so outside shooting could help, but A.J. Griffin is a really good shooter and maybe playing him more minutes, but then it, sometimes it can be difficult for a team that was expected to compete to really like trust a rookie. Mm. So I think um, Snyder is going to have to play, um, play A.J. Griffin more minutes and then, you know, you need Bogdan to, to be healthy. So I think Atlanta, it wouldn't surprise me if Atlanta ends up being one of the better teams in the East next year, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they are running in place like they've been doing the last two years, like literally just running in place and going nowhere fast. Isaac, from a team that's watched the Hawks for years, you know, what do you think's holding them back right now? <laughs> uh, having Trey Murray <laughs> instead of, having Trey Murray instead of Luka Doncic. Trey Young, excuse me, I said Murray. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Who's Trey Murray? I'm trying to keep Murray. Yeah. No, um, I, listen, I, I would, continuing to try, I mean, I think that's part of what's interesting about us going round and round about this pick is what the Hawks probably need in a youngster is not someone to come in and immediately contribute in a massive way. It's more a depth piece that you add. And so, uh, you know, I mean, a couple names I'm just I've been thinking as we've continued to talk, like, would someone like Jalen Hutchifino make sense here? Would uh, a small forward like Leonard Miller or Bryce Sensabaugh make some sense here? Um, a, a couple of those guys just continue to come to mind as as maybe some other possibilities that would have been fits. All right. Well, for more on Lively and his skill set, let's check in with J.J. Jackson from Lockdown Blue Devils. I'm J.J. Jackson, the host of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast with a 2023 NBA draft profile of Derek Lively II. Derek Lively II is a long and athletic big who has a great ability to defend the rim. According to Kim Palm, Lively II had a block rate of over 12% on his defensive possessions as a freshman this year for the Duke Blue Devils. The NBA also values that skill in a center, and it should be enough to make Lively a first-round pick. Lively will need to be active on the offensive glass if he wants to make an offensive impact right out of the gates in the league, which is a positive because that's something he was able to do at Duke, averaging over two offensive rebounds a game. Lively will be successful if he can follow the Walker-Kessler rookie plan that we saw this past season of being a force at the rim defensively and excelling in his role as a screener and rebounder offensively. Okay, there you go. Well, we've got even more insight on Lively for you. Let's check in now with Leaf Tulane of the Locked On NBA Big Board. 
the Atlanta Hawks take another Duke Blue Devil and Derek Lively, who coming into this year by some some ranking systems was the number one player in the recruiting class. Derek Lively is a defensive stud, someone who protects the rim, anchors your defense, has the ability to switch out, and recently in workouts has demonstrated an ability to shoot the ball put up pedestrian stats at Duke, um, but made a huge impact as Duke surged up the rankings at the tail end of the season. Interesting place to land, but it's a one that would certainly be conducive to success for Derek Lively playing alongside a guy who draws as much attention as Trey Young with some shooting around him with Bogdanovich, with uh, another Duke Blue Devil and A.J. Griffin budding. Uh, Playing time would be interesting with some of the centers that have been in the fold ahead of him, but Derek Lively is about as good a player as you're going to find at 15 for the Atlanta Hawks. And I think should he play with Trey Young, that could be the rim-running center that is of the future for the Hawks, replacing the years of Clint Capella. All right, looming in our next episode, pick 16 through 20. Raphael, who are some of the best players still on the board in your eyes? There's a lot of talent still available. Leonard Miller, Jet Howard, Gigi Jackson, Jalen Hushfino, Max Lewis, Bilal Koulibaly, a guy that I think is the, the biggest riser, or, or obviously he's the rising high enough right now, but I think that he is is uh, someone that, that should be selected within the next few picks, if we're totally up to me. Okay, what about you? What do you think, Isaac? Uh, the only other name I would add in there uh, is Keontae George right now. Several of those names Raphael just mentioned and Keontae George, I'm I'm surprised a couple of them didn't go in the lottery, which I, I know finished up a pick ago. But um, we talked on our last show about steals of the draft. We're getting into kind of that territory with some of these names now. Yep. All right. Well, more steals of the draft are coming up. That will do it for us from episode three of the Lockdown NBA Mock Draft special presented by the Lock on Podcast Network, your team every day. And when our next episode picks 16 through 20 will be announced, could there be more trade madness? What else does Locked On Jazz host David Locke have up his sleeve? We'll find out all of that and much more in our next episode. And don't forget, you can find the entire special in both audio and video at the Locked On NBA and Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast feeds. For Rafael Barlow and Isaac Shade, I'm Kylan Mills. We'll see you in just a little bit. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Thank you for checking out this bonus episode of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. If you want to get the rest of this six-episode series with unparalleled local insight on the NBA Draft, head over to the Locked On NBA, Locked On NBA Big Board, or Locked On College Basketball Podcasts right now. Always free and available wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.